0: Welcome to Take Back Your Country. I'm David Flint. Australia is one of the six or seven oldest continuous democracies in the world. That's a pretty remarkable thing to have achieved. This involves a separation of powers, the separation of the judicial from the legislative and the executive. It also means that with our parliaments, Whenever we're asked, Australians always say no to proposals to abolish the upper house. Notwithstanding the trouble and expense, they know that that additional check and balance is very important. Indeed, when they were asked to do this in Queensland in 1917, the Australians said no. Yet a few years later, notwithstanding that, The Queensland politicians got round that and they abolished the Legislative Council and they even put a provision in the Constitution that it couldn't be restored without the consent of the people. So we have the situation in Queensland where the government rules through one house and has much more power than governments have in other states. Queensland there in not having an upper house, is an aberration. The best argument that we have for checks and balances is Acton's. Acton's great admonition, power tends to corrupt, and don't we know it? Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Now, the New South Wales lockdown in July, it began in July and we don't know when it will end. Certainly has some matters for concern. And this is about observing the constitutional proprieties which we've built up in our system over many years. At least the changes to the original lockdown we know actually went through the cabinet. Now, dealing with the Wuhan virus, and that's what it was originally called until the communists kicked up a fuss and persuaded the WHO to change the name. But in dealing with that virus, which I would say is the Wuhan virus, that is, of course, a matter for the government. But it's important that the government observe the constitutional proprieties. We can't behave like a dictatorship. And the present lockdown in New South Wales was particularly unprecedented. There have been others in Australia and longer ones in Victoria. But it was unprecedented because it involved the closing down of the whole construction industry, a very important industry in New South Wales. Now that in the changes to the lockdown, has been partially revived. But doing that to the construction industry was quite remarkable. and alarm bell certainly rang about that. What has happened is that uh, it's cost so far $1.4 billion. It's a lot of money to be and a lot of people have lost their jobs. Businesses have been threatened. All sorts of things have happened and it's extraordinary how, in fact, it happened. Premier Gladys Berejiklian always says that whatever she does is done on health advice. Any lawyer knows and anybody who's been involved in court cases knows that if there's a, a medical question in issue in the court case, each side has their own advice. Each side have their own professional medical doctors, experts who give advice and for each side and they're often in conflict. There's no such thing as health advice which is unanimous and universal. So we have to watch this health advice. But what we found in relation to closing down the construction industry was that the chief health officer in New South Wales, Dr. Chan, said she didn't give the advice to close down the construction industry. Apparently didn't go through cabinet. What happened was the Premier apparently decided that the construction industry should be closed. Who she consulted, we don't know. We don't know what the health advice was. And then the minister, Brad Hazard, Brad Hazard went to his office, they drafted a document and he signed an order under the Public Health Act which is legislation. It's subordinate legislation, but it's legislation. There you have a minister going and just signing a document, and that's the law in a democracy. The magnitude of this is extraordinary. Now, when you have a decision like this, a decision to lock down the state, a decision to close down an industry, firstly, it should always go to the cabinet. After all, that's the basis of executive government in Australia. It was decided in the 19th century by the founders, there was a proposal that we should go to a system where one person was the head of government, was actually the government, as in the United States, that we would gradually go that way and the Governor-General would be elected and eventually become the president. And that was rejected because the founders said after looking at the two systems, cabinet government is better because more people are involved and you're more likely to get a better decision. So anyway, our system requires, expects that it always goes through cabinet. But then there should be another phase. This shouldn't just go to the minister who's involved. This should go with the senior ministers taking the proposal to the executive council, to the governor in the executive council. And the governor would ask, the governor would want to know what power she had to do what was being proposed. And then she would want to know, were there any conditions on the exercise of that power, as is often the case, and were those conditions fulfilled? and surely the governor would expect to know, the health advice, the health advice that is never revealed by any government in Australia. They go ahead with those. They say there's the health advice. Where is the health advice? Why don't the people see this? And the governor should certainly see this before the decision is approved. Now, the governor doesn't make the decision. But what the governor does is ensure that proper process has been observed. And that's what all is involved in a democracy. We must have proper process. Everything must be done properly. The I's must be doctored. The T's must be crossed. Because this is the way we satisfy the assurance required under the the warning from Acton that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. We know that they get used to power and power tends to be abused. So we have all these checks and balances. So it's very important that this happened, but it didn't happen on this occasion. And it didn't happen also in relation to the whole basis of this crisis. Because the basis of the present The present uh, amount of uh, cases of the virus in Australia comes from a failure by the New South Wales government to regulate limousine drivers for airline crew. Apparently, the airline crew came in with the virus. That's a federal matter. Why hasn't the federal government ensured that Airline crew don't come in with the virus. What checks are being done on that? In any event, the driver caught the virus and then they called it the Bondi outpost because he went around the eastern suburbs spreading, unknowingly, spreading the virus. It shouldn't be called the Bondi cluster. It should be called the Berejiklian hazard cluster because they caused it by not properly regulating the law. They've been warned about it, we're told, in reports. They've been warned about it for four months. So the rest of Sydney, the rest of New South Wales, the rest of Australia has to put up with this because the limousine drivers weren't properly regulated. What did the government do about this? During the very first part of the lockdown, Mr. Hazard signed another order. Regulating, regulating the the drivers, the limousine drivers. No apology, no explanation, no advice. If there were advice, we didn't see it. All done by two people. Now, this is extraordinary. This is a Politburo of two, and that's not the system which was designed. And there's another aspect, there's another aspect. Once this subordinate legislation goes into law, the old practice was this, that it would be open to both or either of the two houses of Parliament to challenge the order, to look at it, to examine it, to call for the advice. And then, if the House felt that it wasn't appropriate, The House, the Legislative Council, for example, the Upper House, which doesn't exist in Queensland, but exists in every other state, they could then pass a motion, moved by somebody like Fred Nile or Mark Latham. They could move a motion because they weren't satisfied that this was a proper exercise of the power to make subordinate legislation and disallow the law. We have in New South Wales, a subordinate legislation act. It's there, it's been there from 1989, it just repeated or rearranged previous legislation. But from its terms, it only applies to subordinate legislation made by or approved by the governor. So you get this circle the Public the uh, Public Health Act allows Mr. Hazard to make these extraordinary decisions, close down whole industries. Public health doesn't require this to be done by the governor. Therefore, the two houses of parliament can't debate the subordinate legislation. They can't disallow it. This is not what we expect of in an old parliamentary democracy. The New South Wales Parliament is one of the oldest parliaments, continuously sitting parliaments, in the, in the world. Not as old as Westminster, but a very old parliament. And yet we have a system which is more appropriate to a tin-pot dictatorship. You can have the Premier and a Minister deciding to change the law, to close down a whole industry. This is not right. We've got a governor. The role and function of the governor is to do precisely this sort of thing. We have an Australianized working crown, which is there to be used and to perform this function. And incidentally, this indicates that the decision of uh, uh, the Queensland Premier, Premier Palaszczuk to appoint her chief medical officer or to recommend the appointment of a chief medical officer as the next governor of Queensland is a very curious decision, a questionable decision, which ought to be looked at again. The important thing is that we have these, these checks and balances. It must go through the cabinet. It must go then to the legislative council where the governor will check everything to make sure that it's all in order. And there must always be an opportunity for both houses, particularly the upper house, to consider it, to see the advice, and if appropriate, to disallow it. That decision to close down the whole construction industry was an extraordinary decision, that it was made so quickly by so few people. One or two people is extraordinary. We cannot allow this to continue. Australians It's time to take back your country.